Today we're going to begin a brand new series talking about effortless change. That sounds like that's impossible, that you can't have that, but that's what we're talking about. And I believe I'm going to show you from the Word of God some things that are going to totally change your opinion about this. Now I know that most people think that when it comes to changing, most people see change as a painful process and they see it as a very laborious process. And I mean, it just takes a huge amount of effort to change the way you think, to change your actions, to change your circumstances. And to most people, change is something that they really resist. It's hard to change traditions. People get stuck into ruts, ways of doing things. And and there's just a natural resistance towards change. And so most people see change as a painful, hard process. But I'm going to share with you some things from the Word of God that will totally change the way you approach this and the way that you understand this. And if you receive what I'm talking about, you can just literally have change take place in your life effortlessly. First of all, let me make this point that many of you may not even recognize your need to change. You may desire to see circumstances change. You might desire, say, for instance, if you're sick, to start walking in health. If you're in poverty, to start walking in wealth. And you may recognize that you would like these external changes out there. But really, all change begins with what's on the inside of you. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I've already taught a series on it and so I won't go back over it. But let me just briefly give this testimony that on January the 31st, 2002, the Lord spoke to me about how I had limited what He wanted to do in my life because I was thinking small. I was limiting God by my small thinking. And so um, I spent about a week or so really meditating on this until it just became total revelation in my life. Then I called my staff together and I told them what God had convicted me of. And I said, I don't know how long it it takes to change the image that's on the inside. I said, it may take a week, a month, a year, five years. I don't know, but I am going to change and we are going to start seeing things increase. And I remember telling my staff that... And within one week, I mean, things began to happen so quickly that it just amazed me. And uh, things happened. I won't go into all the details, but like things in our ministry, within, say, two or three months, it took me that long to write letters, to get them produced, to send them out, to share with our mailing list and tell them about this new attitude I had. And within two or three months, we saw a huge financial increase. But, you know, that's kind of logical. You can see the relationship here that when I told them, then they began to respond. But I'm saying that immediately when I changed my attitude, when I changed on the inside, before we got that response back, which was approximately three months after the time that God spoke to me, we set three records in our um, receipts from people. And this was before I had time to tell them and they had time to hear it and respond. I'm just saying that when I changed things on the inside, immediately everything in my life began to change. All of these things changed external when I began to change the way I thought on the inside. And there is much, much more to that testimony than what I've shared with you. But I'm just saying that this is the way it is, that if you want to see change outwardly, It has to begin on the inside. And so that's what this series that I'm going to be talking to you about 
is uh, focused on is how to start changing on the inside. And if you can change the way you think, then Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you can change on the inside, then you'll see it change on the outside. And vice versa, if you cannot change on the inside, then you can pray, you can beseech God, you can get other people to help you. They can lay hands hands on you until they rub all the hair off the top of your head. But I tell you, you aren't going to see change on the outside until you see change on the inside. And right before I get into the heart of this teaching, let me just make this point as we're headed towards this that some of you are going to say, well, I desire change. I've done everything I know, and yet seems like things just are continually the same. This is a law of God that as a man thinks, a man or a woman thinks in their heart, that's the way that they are. That's out of Proverbs 23, 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I know some of you are going to resent this and you may disagree with this. But if you are experiencing just nothing but problems... Now, any person, regardless of whether you're walking with the Lord, you can have a bump in the road. You can have negative things happen because we live in a fallen world and you've got an enemy that are coming against you. So I'm not saying that every single problem is a direct result of something on the inside. But I'm saying that if your overall life is just going in a downward spiral, if nothing ever works and all of these kind of things, the typical response that people will have is to blame somebody else, to say it's the color of your skin, it's your family, you were disadvantaged, it's this person. You'll blame anybody. It's your employer who's the jerk, not you. And you'll just go on and and it's always somebody else's fault. That is the typical way to respond to things. But the scripture makes it clear that your experience, your surroundings, everything about you is basically the way you think. As you think in your heart, that's the way that it is. You think spiritually minded, all you get is life and peace. Now, I know many of you don't like that and you say, no, that's not true. But you know, if I was to go to your house and see your garden that you know, you're growing, I wouldn't have to be with you to see what you've planted. I wouldn't have to stay with you and be there in the spring when you plant all these crops. All I've got to do is just be there when it starts growing up. And if you've got corn growing there, you planted corn. If you've got peas, you planted peas. Or I guess possibly somebody else could have done, come in and have sown something in your garden, but it's really your responsibility to protect your garden. But I'm saying that whatever is growing there is what you've planted or what you've allowed to be planted there. Now, I know that that sounds... Some people say, I just can't believe that. But see, in the natural, we recognize that. I'm saying that just as sure as that is a law in the natural, it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. Before you can really see change, you've got to quit using excuses and blaming anybody and everybody else and saying it's just fate and it's luck, nothing ever works for me, and criticizing all of these things. And you need to recognize that the Scripture says, as you think in your heart... That's the way you're going to be. If you think spiritually minded, all it produces is life and peace. Another verse that goes along with this is over in 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me read this to you quickly. Uh, In verse 2, 
Second Peter chapter one, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. A lot of people are wanting grace and peace to be multiplied unto them. They're wanting peace in their life, but they're praying for it. They're asking other people to help them and they actually are looking for peace to come externally into their circumstances. This says it comes through the knowledge of God. Now, I could spend a lot more time on that, but again, it's making this same point that peace in your life isn't going to be the absence of problems or circumstances around about you. It starts on the inside and you can get to where you're having peace in the midst of a storm and eventually that peace on the inside of you will begin to start changing circumstances on the outside. Then the next verse says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. This says that his divine power hath given unto us all things. You know, if you need healing in your body today, again, most people are praying and wanting God to just come from the outside, stretch forth your mighty hand, touch me. And they're just looking for God, a bolt of lightning, a spiritual bolt of lightning to hit them. And then boom, they're going to be healed. But this scripture says that all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That would include healing. That would include prosperity. That would include joy, peace, relationships, uh, success in your business, whatever you want to name. All things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of God. It actually starts on the inside. And this goes right back to that scripture I used in the very beginning, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life, the dominant experience in your life is the way you are thinking on the inside. And instead of us looking for change to take place externally in everybody else and in all of our circumstances, the first thing you need to do is recognize that change begins on the inside of you. It's according to the knowledge that you have of God. You know, that is a simple truth. It's a profound truth. And most people miss this because it's so simple. And they think, no, it's got to be more complex than that. It can't just be the fact that I'm not thinking properly about things. But I really believe this, that you can turn around any circumstance in your life if you were to begin to start getting God's perspective, start thinking His thoughts. That's what, uh, you know, many people would call this different things. But I believe that that's what the Bible calls faith. Faith is just seeing things from God's perspective. Faith is an ability that when somebody is doing something over here, instead of just reacting in the natural, physical realm based on your emotions, instead you go to what does God's Word say? And you take a scripture like Ephesians chapter 6 where it says that you aren't wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so instead of just going by the fact that this person pushed your hot button and said something, you, because of your knowledge that you have in the Word of God, you recognize God can, I mean, the devil can speak through people. The devil can use people to come at you. And so instead of just seeing things in the natural, you have a different perspective because of the knowledge. You think differently on the inside. And you recognize it's not really that person who's angry at you that it's a person who's resisting the God that's on the inside of you. And because of that, you just constantly respond differently than other people do. 
You, want, you turn around and love those people instead of getting into strife, and it gets different results. All of that begins with you thinking differently. I tell you, that is awesome. I could give you a million testimonies of that, and I'll probably use a few of them during this series. But I tell you, this, I believe, is absolutely true. Most people are wanting change in their circumstances, and yet they don't recognize that the change begins on the inside of them. You know, one of the statements that I make in our Bible college director, Linus Lefevre, when we go to our Gospel Truth Seminars, and we tell people about our Bible college, uh, we, we often do this. We'll say, how many of you realize that there's more, that you're wanting something more, and that you're desiring change in your life? And we'll ask that. And I mean, out of these crowds that we have in our Gospel Truth Seminars, it's not unusual to see 80, 90% of the people, and these are Christians, most of them spirit-filled Christians, who recognize that there needs to be change. They aren't satisfied with where they are. They're wanting something more. Right now, if you'd just be honest, those of you watching this broadcast, I believe that most of you, the vast majority, if you are typical, if, you are, if, if our meetings are reflective of the people watching this broadcast, then most of the people watching right now would say, there's got to be more. I just believe that God's got something better for me. And so most people, the vast majority of people, are looking for change. They're wanting something more. So after we ask that question and we get most of the people to identify that, yes, they want change, then we'll come back and say, so what are you going to do to affect change? What is going to be any different? And then I'll come back, and this is one of my favorite sayings that I'll use. It is one of the definitions of insanity to do the same thing over and over and yet pray for different results. If you want something to change externally, then you're going to have to start changing something, I believe, first of all, in your heart, and then you're going to have to take some steps to change. Change isn't going to come from the outside. It begins on the inside. And if you want change in your life, then you are going to have to do something different. But the moment you bring that point up, to me it's very logical. I don't know how anybody can argue with that. The moment you bring that up, instantly you meet resistance because people are afraid to change. I've actually met people before that were in miserable situations, terrible situations, and yet they had adjusted to it. They knew they could survive. It may not be what they wanted. It may not be their dream or their goal, but yet they'd been there a long time. They knew that they could survive, and they were afraid of failure. I tell you, one of the things you're going to have to do to affect change in your life is you're going to have to get to a place to where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you really reach a place to where I'm going to do whatever it takes to see these changes externally happen in my life. I'm going to start changing the way I think. I'm going to start taking some risk. And unless you're willing to do those things, then you'll never see this external change. You know, I'm reminded of a story when the city of Samaria was being uh, surrounded and besieged by the uh, Syrians, and the Syrians were starving these people so much so that people were eating their own children. They were eating the dung from animals and selling it for high prices. I mean, it was a terrible uh, drought and uh, famine in this city, and so the people were just about to be destroyed, and they couldn't do anything about it because the Syrians totally had Samaria surrounded. And there were these two lepers sitting at the gate of Samaria. 
And they were talking to each other and they had this statement. They said, how long are we going to sit here until we die? It says if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, the famine's going to destroy us. Let's go out to the enemy, to the Syrians, and says if they kill us, we're just going to die. We're going to die anyway. What have we got to lose, basically, is what they said. So these two lepers got up and went into the Syrian camp. And it turned out that the Lord had already been there, had caused the Syrians to hear a noise. They thought that the Israelites had hired against them another nation, and they fled in terror. They left their donkeys, all of their food, their tents, their provisions, their gold, their silver. I mean, they just left everything. They fled for their life, and they ran away. And these two lepers who were facing starvation just a few minutes before experienced, I mean, tremendous personal deliverance. They went out and there was food that was still warm. They began to eat to their full. They took raiment, clothes. They got gold and silver. They did all of these things. And then eventually they were the ones that brought the good news back to the city of Samaria. And they became the heroes that actually proclaimed deliverance to the entire area. All of this happened because two people who were lepers, shunned by these people, sitting outside of the gate, starving to death, their outlook looked terrible. They finally made a decision. We got to do something. We're going to die if we stay where we are. We've got to head in some direction. They looked at their options and even though this one didn't look real good, it was better than sitting still and dying. And because of it, they experienced tremendous deliverance. And there are many of you right now that you're dying. You know that you're dying. If you aren't dying physically, you're dying emotionally. Your marriage is falling apart. Things are not going right. You know something is wrong. You know that there is something more. And yet you are fearful to take any steps because you're afraid that you might fail. You know, if you just look at things properly, you're failing now. Even if you've got a guaranteed income, even if you live in a relatively nice house, even if all of these other things are going right, if you aren't satisfied in your heart, If you don't wake up in the morning and feel like, praise God, another opportunity to do something and that you feel fulfilled and like you're making a difference, then I'm telling you that whether you realize it or not, change is necessary. You're going to have to do something differently. If you want to get different results, you've got to do something differently. It's a definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and over and yet pray for different results. If you want different results, do something differently. And the point that I'm making is it all begins on the inside. You can sit there and pray for God to just supernaturally do something. Many of you are praying to win the lottery. Many of you are praying for some kind of a roll of the dice, just something. And I tell you, if that's what you're believing for, you aren't following God at all. That's not the way that God's going to meet your need. The odds of that happening, I've heard some of these statistics are one out of every five million or five billion or whatever. It's just stupid. Anybody that's looking for the lottery or, you know, just circumstances, some, somebody's going to walk into your office and ask you to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or something like this. That's not how life works. It is not going to happen that way. If you want change out there, then it begins in here. You know, when I first got turned on to the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968, uh, a number of things happened, but one of the things that happened to me was that the Word of God just came alive. 
I would start reading it, and I mean, it was no longer a book about what God said, but it was God speaking directly to me. And I just fell in love with the Word of God. I mean, I got to where when I studied the Word, it was just imparting things to me. I could tell change was happening in my life. And I remember one time, uh, you know, through the study of the Word, after the Lord had already impacted me and I felt called to the ministry and I saw some of the things that God was wanting to do in my life, I got a vision of this. I remember I was at my home. This is before I was married. I was kneeling around my bed and I was praying and I'd had my Bible open and I had it opened on the bed in front of me and I just was overwhelmed when I thought about seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people raised from the dead, the physical miracles. I knew that God had called me to teach the Word of God and that people's lives were going to be changed. And I was praying over all these things. I was 18 years old. And I remember just having kind of a vision of all of these things happening and me ministering to people on television like what I'm doing now. I saw these things. I knew it was going to happen. And I was an introvert. I couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. I certainly, you know, a hick from Texas. Now, how's a hick from Texas ever going to be on television or radio? You know, if I was choosing, I wouldn't have chosen me. I was just seeing all of these things that God was calling me to do, seeing the absolute impossibility of it in the natural realm. And I was praying, kneeling around this bed and saying, God, how do I get from where I am to where I know that you're telling me that I'm supposed to go. It seems like it was such a huge distance. And I said, Lord, I just don't have a track to run on. I don't know how to get there. I said, how do I do this? And I remember that as I was praying, I just opened my eyes and looked and my Bible was laying there on the bed open in front of me. And when I saw that, I heard the Lord speak to me and He said, if you will take my word and meditate in it day and night, then my word will teach you everything you need to know. My word will change everything. And I know that that sounds really simple, but I mean, if it hadn't have been simple, I wouldn't have been able to get it. But when that happened, that was God speaking to me. I mean, that was God's direction to me. And from that time on, instead of thinking about all of the things that need to happen, and Lord, how do I overcome my shyness? And how do I overcome this? And how do I get the money to do this? And how do I do anything? I just forgot all of those issues and I just poured myself into the Word of God. I mean, I got to where I was spending for a long period of time till probably the time I got married. I was spending anywhere from 10 to 16 hours a day studying the Word and just learning the truths of God. And my personal testimony is that as I took the Word of God and meditated in it day and night, it just began to change me. And this is basically the heart of what I'm wanting to say. Now, I'm going to say this in a lot more ways, and I'm going to go to a lot of scriptures and show you things. But in a nutshell, this is basically what I'm trying to say, that if we would put God's Word first place in our life, if you would get to where you meditate in it on a consistent basis, it would just change you. I mean, that's my testimony. That's what happened to me. And that's also what the Word of God says. Listen to this passage. The Lord was telling Joshua... And Joshua was the successor to Moses. You know, if you'd stop and think about it, uh, Moses would be a hard act to follow. Amen. I mean, how do you become the leader after Moses? 
Well, Joshua was struggling with this and praying and saying, God, what do I do? How do I lead these people? And in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, God was speaking to Joshua and saying, in the same way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you wherever your feet trod. I'll give that land to you. And he gave him all of these promises. But look at this in the eighth verse of Joshua chapter 1. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now at this time, all they had was the first five books of the Bible, the ones that Moses had written out. And so this is all that they had at that time. I believe that for to apply this to us, instead of just saying this book of the law, we could say, but the Bible, the Word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, if you start at the end of that verse and work back, most people want to be prosperous. Most people want to have good success. And yet it's amazing that the vast majority of people bypass the first part of this verse and they will spend their prayer time asking God to please prosper their business, to please cause their marriage to succeed, to please heal their body, and they'll do all of these things, but they don't do what the Word says. The Word here is saying, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that the way you get prosperity and success... In every area of your life, this could include physical healing, emotional healing, relationships, all kinds of things. If you want to see success and prosperity in every area of your life, this says take the Word of God, meditate in it to the degree that it saturates what you talk about, how you act, And when the Word of God literally begins to control your life, you will have success and you will be prosperous. That is just absolute. That is exactly what my life is based upon. And I know that some of you are thinking, but I work a job. I can't meditate in the Word day and night. Or say, for instance, there's probably some women that you have two or three kids at home. And I mean, you are running constantly day and night doing things. And you say, I can't just sit there and read the Bible and let my kid run out in the street and not pay attention to what's going on. Most people don't believe that you can literally just stay and meditate in the Word of God day and night. They think that this is a totally impractical demand. But let me make this point. Meditation is just simply focusing your attention on something to the point that it never leaves your consciousness. For instance, I believe that all worry is, is meditation. It's just meditation on something evil or something negative. For instance, I bet you that every one of you, if you're a woman taking care of your children, running errands, taking your kids places, cleaning the house, whatever your demands are, I can guarantee you that you have gone through a day and you've done everything that was required of you and you've fixed food or you've done whatever has to be done and yet your mind has always been focused on how am I going to pay for this? What are we going to do? Or if you've had a marital problem, you're thinking about what's going to happen? Are we headed for a divorce? Are they running around on me? Are they with someone? And you can do all of the things that you need to do and yet your mind still worries about those things. Or if you're a person that has a career and you're at your job, you may be doing something. You could be doing a manual 
labor job and yet your mind still be focused on how is this situation going to work out. You could be sitting there and doing any type of job. I've done this in all kinds of things and and yet you still have something that is just occupying your mind. You're worrying about it and you can worry about something day and night. Some of you, if you'd be honest, have actually had problems come to you to the degree that when you go to sleep, you dream about it. You have a fitful sleep during the night because your mind is still stayed on what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this situation? The point that I'm making is that's meditation. Now, you wouldn't normally ascribe the word meditation to that, but that's, I believe, exactly what it is. The part of you that worries is the exact same part of you that meditates. Meditation is just a positive thing. So the point that I'm making is you may not have time. And actually, if you're a mother of four kids at home, if you are a person that's working a job and you are working for a boss, it's wrong for you to sit down and day and night just study the Word 16 hours a day. That's wrong because that's not being faithful to your employer. That's not being faithful to your family, to the responsibilities that you've got. And I'm aware of that. But you know what you can do is take a passage of Scripture and you can read it and then the rest of the day, the rest of the night... You can be meditating in the Word of God and thinking, how does this apply to me? For instance, let me just give you an example. I won't turn over to these passages, but last week I was studying in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where it talks about King Jehoshaphat and he had been serving God and he had been faithful to God and the way he was rewarded for this, he had three nations come against him. And these three nations joined a confederacy and they came and it was an overwhelming force. There was no way that he could do this. So he assembled all of the people together and he uh, built a platform and he stood up on the platform and he began to pray and lifted up his hands to heaven in front of all of the people. And he prayed and he said, God, we don't have any help. We don't have any power against this great multitude that has come against us says, our only help is in you. We're standing here. We're waiting on you. God, we need you to do something. And in the midst of his prayer, this prophet stood up and prophesied that you won't even have to fight in this battle. In the morning, you assemble yourself, you go out, and you will find that it has already been won. And so Jehoshaphat stood up and told the people, he says, believe the Lord's prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe uh, the word of God, so shall you be established. And he spoke these powerful words of faith. And then the next morning he got up, they got up very early, and they went out to meet these three armies that were coming against them. And it wasn't just in word that they said they believed God. He proved it by putting the singers in the forefront. And you know, I've been meditating on this passage of Scripture. I thought about what a miracle. that When you read it in the Bible, some people read Bible stories like they didn't really happen. But see if you will meditate in it. Not just read the information, but then just begin to think about it. And say, God, what if I was Jehoshaphat? What would it have been like to tell the soldiers to get in the back and put the choir in the front? And they started singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they went out to meet these three armies, probably over a million people armed to the hill. They sent the singers out first. Now see, it's one thing to read that. 
But the point I'm making is that I read those passages of Scripture and probably for two or three days, I went back to those same passages. I would spend, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour in the morning reading those passages, looking up other things, getting information, making sure I had all of the information. But then during the day, like last week, I was traveling to one of our uh, Gospel Truth seminars. But during the day, even when I was on the airplane, I had my eyes closed, but I was sitting there thinking about Jehoshaphat and thinking about what a huge step of faith this was and how God uh, rewarded that. And sure enough, when they came over the hill, they looked and these three armies had turned on each other. Two of them agreed to kill the third army. And then after they wiped out that army, they got to killing each other to the very last two people standing, killed each other. And when the armies of Israel came over the hill, they looked and there was nothing but corpse. And they had all of this gold and silver and raiment and things, so much so that it took the entire nation of Israel three days to gather the spoil. Now see, most people just read something like that. They get the story and they think, well, there was a victory for trusting God. But you can milk that for tremendous truths. You can sit there and like in my case, I was saying... Lord, I was relating to Jehoshaphat. It looked like his life and his kingdom was about to be extinguished. But in the midst of it, he cried out to God. God gave him a prophecy. He believed it in less than 24 hours after he began to start trusting God. The thing that looked like it was going to be the destruction of the nation turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened. They went out. They didn't even have to lift the sword. They went out and gathered so much spoil And Jehoshaphat dedicated all of that stuff to the temple. Prior to that time, some other people had come in and had stolen all of the gold and the silver out of the temple. He was actually uh, able to take a situation that looked like it was going to be his destruction and it turned out to be the thing that refurbished the temple and was able to supply it. It turned out to be a great thing. And see, I for days after I read that, I just meditated on those scriptures, thinking about some of the problems that face me and that look like it could be the end of the Andrew Womack ministries or this or that. And yet I'm sitting there and thinking in the same way that God did this for Jehoshaphat, this situation that looks like it could destroy me could be one of the best things that ever happens. And see, as you meditate in the word, faith rises. I think that most people miss this. Every one of you, regardless of what your uh, problems are like, your circumstances are like, there is not a person that is more than one word from God away from absolute victory. What I mean by that is that God knows wherever you are, how to get you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. All you need is a word from God. All you need is just the slightest instruction. All you need is an impartation of God's wisdom. God is not wringing His hands wondering how He can pull it out for you. There is a simple solution to every person. And the biggest problem that we have is just our inability to hear God's voice, to know what God's saying. And the way you do that is through the Word of God. If we would get into the Word of God and meditate in it, the Lord would speak to you. He could give you wisdom and direction. And I know, again, I'm dealing with people all around the world. I'm dealing with all kinds of people, all variations of maturity and stuff. But I know in my talking to people 
that there's people who shake their head and say, yes, we know that God, this is God's Word and it has our answers. And they say that because they know that that's what they're supposed to say. But in a practical sense, most people don't really believe that you can solve the problems at your work by the Word of God. But you can. And some people think, man, you're just stretching it. This is not true. But if you were to turn over to the book of Proverbs, the first chapter... Solomon there tells about why he wrote these Proverbs. He says it's to give wisdom to the simple, to give understanding to those who don't have any understanding. And then he talks about what it will cause and how that riches and honor are in the right hand of wisdom. And it goes through. And I guarantee you, if you were to take the principles in the book of Proverbs, they tell you about all kinds of things. Proverbs 18, 16 says that a man's gift makes room for him. That's not talking about just your talents and abilities, but it's talking about literally a gift, a present to a person. Matter of fact, the negative side of this is a bribe. You can see most of us can understand how a bribe can affect people and change things. Well, a gift, a not for negative purposes, but for positive things. It will pacify anger. It'll turn away wrath. There's other scriptures that talk about cast out the scorner and the strife will cease. I've used that in my own ministry. When you have problems among people, you go to the person that is the root of that thing and you cast out the scorner, the person who is sitting here and causing this criticism, and you know what? It deals with other things. You can learn how to deal with your staff. You can learn how to deal with employees. You can learn how to deal with a boss. You can learn wisdom if you're a salesperson. Uh, If you're a parent and you're struggling with your children, man, there's a wealth of information in here. I have yet to run across a problem that the Word of God doesn't provide an answer for. And if you will take these words and meditate in it and put this knowledge on the inside, then the Holy Spirit, when the appropriate time comes, He will quicken things to you and show you things to do. And God speaks to me through this. This is what makes my life tick. This is what has changed my life, is my love for the Word of God. And I get criticism sometimes. People say, well, you love the Word of God more than you love God. I don't separate the two. Jesus is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. This Word, not this physical book, like you could tear a page out of this Bible and you haven't changed the Word of God. But these words are a perfect representation of the heart of God. I believe that. And when I read the Word, it's not me reading a book about God. This is God writing to me. Even some of these things were said thousands of years ago to other people. Like in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord told Jeremiah, He says, Before I formed you in the womb, before I brought you forth out of your mother's belly, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And some people read that and say, Well, that was something that was written specifically to Jeremiah thousands of years ago, over 3,000 years ago. And here you are getting excited over that as if it was written to you. Well, I can tell you the exact time and place. I was in an apartment in Kingsley Place Apartments in Dallas, Texas in 1973. I read those scriptures. I went to bed and I couldn't go to sleep, which was very unusual for me. And I thought, boy, what's going on? And all of a sudden, I mean, the presence of God came in that room. And uh, this was right after I was married. I got up and came into our living room. It's a long story, but the Lord came to me and just as He told Solomon, He said, I'll give you anything you ask for. 
He told me he'd give me anything I asked for. And I said, I want the ability to speak your word and to have the word of God change people's lives. And then he touched me and led me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. And he says, before I formed you in the womb, before you came forth out of your mother's belly, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And he went on through some scriptures over in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14. The Lord spoke to me through scriptures that because you speak this word, I'll make my word in your mouth fire and, in, and the people would and it shall devour them. You can sit there and say those things were written thousands of years ago to Jeremiah and they were. But you know what? God's spoken them to me. And they're mine. And you can sit there and say, you're crazy. Well, you can say what you want to, but I think you're crazy. Man, it's working for me. I'm seeing the power of God manifest. And I'm saying that this is the way God has spoken to me in my life. Some people think, well, I want God just to speak to me outside of His Word. I don't need that. To me, I really believe that God has inspired people. People have given their life to preserve this Word. We take this for granted. A lot of people look at this and they don't respect it and honor it for what it is. And that's the reason they don't get the benefit out of it that I do. I'm telling you that God's Word has everything in it that you need to succeed. And if we would simply do what the Word says and meditate therein day and night, we would prosper, we would have good success. I know that the average person doesn't believe what I'm saying, and that's exactly the reason that the average person doesn't meditate in the Word of God day and night, and that's the reason they aren't prosperous, and that's the reason they aren't having good success. And I'm even talking about Christians. Most Christians do not honor the Word of God and look at it as being God literally speaking to them. When they read it, they do it more as a religious duty and obligation than they do as something to expecting God to speak to them. I don't know if I can convey this to you. You may or may not understand what I'm saying. But when I open up the Word of God, it's God talking to me. These are living words. The Bible calls it a living word. It's alive. It's not dead. There's a difference between this book and any other book. And I know some of you are going to dislike this and criticize me over this, but this is the reason I don't read other books. I might read one or two other books in a year, and I really do that mainly because I have so many people pressing me to read their book, and they're people that I like, and I know that they've got good things. But really, my desire is, I, I believe that everything I need is right here in the Word of God. You know, I was recently in Santa Clara, California, and I held a meeting, and I had a man come up and say that he really enjoyed the ministry. It blessed him. He hadn't heard these things. And uh, anyway, then he came up, and he was a scientist. And he says, you ought to read this book about science and the Bible and get to where you could come at the Bible from a scientific side and that you could answer this and do all of these things. And I said, I, don't, I just don't have time to do that. And he kept pressing. He gave me these books, and he wanted me to read these books. And finally, because he pushed so hard, I had to push back. And I didn't do it out of anger or anything, but I just told him, I said, you know what? The way people learn how to recognize counterfeit money isn't by studying all of the counterfeits because there's an infinite number of counterfeit money. You can't uh, get to where you learn every counterfeit. Instead, what they do, the people who are going to... you know, be on the front line here deciding which bill is counterfeit and which isn't. 
What they do is give them the real thing and they hold it and handle it and become so used to the grain, the texture, the weight, the look that they become so familiar with the real that instantly they can recognize a counterfeit. And I said, that's the way that I feel about it. I'm just going to become so familiar with God through his word that I don't have to learn this scientific theory or go to this person over here to learn these things. I'm just going to become so single-minded, focused on the word of God that I don't have to have all these other supplemental things. Now, I know that this is a departure again from the way most people do it. Most people advocate reading a book a week, a book a month or something like that. And I'm not saying that that's of the devil. But I am saying that there is a difference between anybody else's book and the Word of God. I've written books. I am not against books, but I'm telling you there is a difference between my books and the Word of God. And the only reason that I like my books as much as I do is because they're crammed full of the Word of God. And actually, I just use those books to explain and I use personal examples to try and get people to understand the Word of God. But it's no resentment on my part. It wouldn't bother me if you bypassed all of my books and if you meditate in the Word of God day and night, you'd be better off. But there's a lot of people that honestly just are so ignorant about the Word of God that they need somebody to start taking scriptures and summarizing and giving them a direction to go in their study of the Word of God. But I am this adamant about God's Word. The Word of God, the point that I'm trying to get across, if you want change in your life, Most people pray and ask God to send them something. They pray for God to do something. They're looking for something out there when the truth is it all starts here on the inside. If you would take God's Word, meditate in it day and night, get to where the Word of God is more real to you than the person sitting next to you on the bus or working next to you at your work. If you got to where when you went to work, even though you interact with people and do your job, The truth is you're constantly thinking about scriptures and things that God was speaking to you. And you're meditating on it and trying to relate that to different circumstances and situations. If you would do that, you would prosper more accidentally than you ever have on purpose before. Let me take a passage of scripture here out of Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let me uh, just break in before I go on with this. But when it says attend to my words, that's just saying give attention. You know, I bet you every one of us have been in school sometime or another and the teacher's been up there talking and you've been looking straight at them, but you weren't attending to those words. I mean, it was going in one ear and out the other and you were no more thinking about what was going on. You were daydreaming. Your focus was somewhere else. Well, likewise... Many people go through the uh, motions of reading passages of Scripture, but you could probably read an entire chapter in the Bible, and as soon as it's over, close your Bible, I could come up and say, what chapter were you reading? What book of the Bible is it in? And you wouldn't even have a clue. You certainly couldn't tell me what you read. I'm not saying that to condemn anybody, but I'm just saying, you know what, that's not attending to my words. The reason I'm making this point is because when I start emphasizing how important God's Word is and how powerful it is, people always come back and say, well, I've studied the Word and I've read the Word and I've read the Bible all the way through and it hasn't done this for me. You've got to attend to these words and incline your ears. That isn't talking about change the inclination of your head. That isn't talking about that. That's talking about that, you know what, you have to have ears to hear. You have to listen with your heart, not just your head. 
This is talking about focus. It's talking about commitment. If you would go to the Word of God and first of all place a high value and priority on it and then begin to start taking each one of these words as being a direct word from God to you, and I mean attend to it, incline your ears unto it, then you would begin to get the results that I'm talking about. So he says in Proverbs 4.20, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. In verse 22, for they, talking about God's words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Man, that is a powerful scripture. God's word is life. This isn't talking about only physical life. If you're in a life and death sickness situation, now it includes that. But this could be talking about if you're depressed. Man, I tell you... This is just so powerful that I could spend hours on each one of these points. But if you're struggling with depression, I can guarantee you, you are not meditating in the Word of God day and night. And I can just hear people all around the world saying, you don't know what I'm doing. Yes, I do. (laughs) Because it says in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you've got death working in you, which depression, discouragement, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, etc., etc., all of those are forms of death. If you've got death working in you, it's because you've planted death. I don't mean that to condemn you, but I mean it to enlighten you and show you where the problem is. Again, I use this illustration. I don't have to be with you when you plant a garden to see what you planted. All I've got to be is I just have to be there when it grows up. If you've got death in your life, if you're depressed, if you're discouraged, angry and bitter, you have not been meditating in the Word of God because the Word of God, spiritually mindedness, produces only life and peace. John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is spirit. So to be spiritually minded is to be Word of God minded. If you are Word of God minded, all it produces is life and peace. Isaiah 26, 3, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. So a person who says, well, I've done all of these things and yet I've still got terrible problems in my life. You may have read the word of God. You may have heard somebody else quote it, but you hadn't attended unto it. You hadn't inclined your ear. You haven't uh, kept them in the midst of your heart. You've let your eyes depart and go and focus on other things. If you do what God's Word says, all it will produce is the results that God's Word said it will produce. And it says here that if you do these things, that God's Word will be life unto them that find them and health to all their flesh. I couldn't tell you how many people have come to me. I mean hundreds or thousands of people and they've got sickness in their body and they come, would you pray for me? Well, yes, I'll pray for you. But what does the person who's doing the praying for everybody do when he gets sick? Do I run to somebody every time I have a sickness fight against me? You know, that's not what I do. You know what I do? I go take the Word of God. Just like if you have a pain, you go take a pill. If I have a pain, I go take a gospel. Amen. (laughs) I, I take the Word of God. And I know that the Word of God says that by His stripes I'm healed. I can quote that. But it's not good enough just to quote it out of memory. You know what I do? When, if I ever have any physical symptoms hitting me, I, of course, will stand and rebuke it and speak my faith. And normally that will take care of everything. 
I've now been, I think it's 36, 37 years without being sick. I hadn't taken an aspirin. I don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. But I've had the symptoms of sickness hit me and they'll last for an hour or two hours or something like that. And if when I immediately rebuke it, if I don't see instantaneous results, you know what I do? I take the Word of God and I start going over scriptures that I already know. But I will go back because of this principle. Matter of fact, this is one of the verses I turn to where it says, For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. The Word of God is health to your flesh. Psalms 107 verse 20 says that He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. If I need a healing in my body, I take the Word of God and I meditate on it. I eat these words because they're life unto my flesh. I could even quote them, but still I'll go back and I'll study them. And as I do that, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The faith that I already have on the inside of me, it's there. I stir it up when I meditate on those scriptures. And as I start meditating on it, health flows through me. And I've only gone just a few hours maximum in the last 36 years with any symptom of sickness in my body. I've overcome things like broken bones, uh, swelling, uh, sprains, fevers, sickness, uh, you know, upset stomach, desiring to throw up. I've actually got a doctor's uh, report that I had an incurable disease and within hours I was totally healed of an incurable disease. I have stood and operated in this and it works. This is what the Word of God teaches about itself. And yet the average person, even the people who say, oh, I believe God's Word is important, they really don't live this way. They do not meditate in the Word of God day and night. And that's the very reason that they don't have good success and aren't prosperous. Look at this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 12. This is something that God transformed my life with. This is the very first passage of Scripture that ever came alive to me, and I mean impacted me to the degree that it changed the course of my life. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the last part of that second verse says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I was seeking in my life. I wanted to know God's will. And so that phrase that you may prove, I looked the word prove up and the word prove means to make manifest to the physical senses. Now that is exactly what I was wanting. I believe that God already had a plan for my life. I just didn't know what it was. It wasn't manifest to my physical senses. I believed it was there somewhere. I just wanted it to be manifest. So immediately I focused on this and I began to study this passage of Scripture and say, God, this says I do these things. I do prove. I make manifest the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So I began to go back and analyze this and I could preach on this for hours I'm just going to have to say that that first verse of Romans 12 transformed my life. It gave me a brand new direction. And after three and a half months of meditating in this verse, I had an experience 
where God poured His love out in my life, totally changed the course of my life. That was March the 23rd, 1968, and I have never been the same since. But even as important as that experience was, did you know I would have lost the benefit of just an experience with God, an encounter with God. I know some of you are maybe struggling to understand what I'm saying because you're thinking, oh, if I could really encounter God, if I was to have a vision or if God was to appear to me, man, my life would never be the same. I've had some very miraculous encounters with God and I'm just telling you that you cannot live off of emotions or off of an experience. It's now been 37 years since I encountered God this way. And I can just guarantee you that if all I was doing was going from an experience of what happened to me 37 years ago, uh, I'd be dry and dead and lifeless today. That got me jump-started. It opened up my eyes. It gave me a vision. It provided me with motivation. It's good. I praise God for it. But you know what the real dominant thing that changed my life was? Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is what has happened to me. I had this experience. It got my attention. It got me moving in a different direction. It changed my desires. But it was the renewing of my mind through the Word of God that has totally, totally, totally transformed me. And I attribute every bit of the power and the victory that I've experienced to the Word of God becoming alive and speaking to me. This verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world. The word conformed here in the Greek literally means to pour into the mold. I don't know if you get that word picture or not. But you aren't going to exit this life the same way that you came in. You came in a baby. You came in innocent. You came in without a firm direction and plan for your life. You may have come in naive, but you know what? You, when, by the time you live 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever years, I guarantee you the pressures of this life, if you aren't careful, they are going to melt you. Every one of us is going to be melted. You are going to change shape, form, direction. But the good news is you get to pick what mold you fit into. The pressures of this life tend to fit everybody into a mold of being a pessimist. Uh, You lose your dreams. You lose your goal. You get bitter. You have unforgiveness. That's what the world tends to press you into. That's the mold that the world and the problems in this life are trying to force you into. But you don't have to go into that mold. You get to pick what mold you fit into. You know, I really got this concept uh, the day that we got our orders to be shipped out to Vietnam and most of us in there were still teenagers. I was 19 years old when I got my orders to go to Vietnam. I'd already been through my infantry training and when we got our final destination, uh, every single person in there except one got orders to go to Vietnam. And most of those teenagers broke down and started crying and people were fearful and all of these kind of things. I mean, we're in war today in Iraq, and I'm not diminishing that or, or uh, criticizing that any at all, but 1,700 deaths in approximately two or three years, although that's nothing to be uh, ignored or scoffed at, that's nothing compared to what was happening in Vietnam. The fact that you have a car bomber come against you, that's bad, but that's nothing like having, man, <laughs> mortars and bombs and things and people with guns coming at you and 
Anyway, the point that I'm making is when you got shipped to Vietnam, you knew you were going to contact the enemy. It wasn't just somebody over there was going to contact them. All of the people over there got shot at, mortars hit them, rockets, something. And so because of this, people were just falling apart like a $2 suitcase. They were crying. And they called a chaplain in. And this chaplain came in. And I really got blessed through what he said because he made this statement. He said, the army, specifically going to Vietnam, is a fire. And it will melt you. But you get to pick what mold you fit into. He says, this doesn't have to be a negative experience that destroys you. It can be a positive experience. And boy, God used that chaplain's words to speak directly to me. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Every one of us in life is going to have pressures come against you that's going to melt you But you get to pick whether you're going to be like the other people who become negative and bitter and get in unforgiveness and you murmur and you complain. Or are you going to let these things drive you to the Lord and make you more strong in your faith, more stable in your commitment to God? How can you make that? How can you choose which mode? It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed... Here is the Greek word metamorpho. It's the word that we get our English word metamorphosis from, describing the process of a little worm, you know, spinning a cocoon and then it comes out a beautiful butterfly, something creepy crawly thing to something that is beautiful and flies. If you want to be transformed, metamorphosized to where you just totally change from a weak, inferior person, a person with all of these problems, to a person who now has the life of God in them. The way the Word of God says to affect that is by the renewing of your mind. And the way that happens is through the Word of God. You cannot just turn your mind off and think of nothing. Sometimes people will talk about that and say, what are you thinking? I'm, well, nothing. Truth is, you are thinking of something. You can't not think. Your mind is constantly going. Even when you're asleep, that's what dreams come from, is from this subconscious mind. Your mind is constantly going. You can't turn it off and not think. The only thing you can do is choose whether you think on the things of the Lord or whether you think on the things of this world. And it doesn't have to be demonic things. It doesn't have to be X-rated, R-rated, terrible, ungodly things. You just think on physical, natural things. They can even be uh, decent things. They don't have to be bad, but just be occupied with that and you will never experience this transformation. If you want to be transformed, metamorphosized to where you change like a caterpillar to a butterfly, the way you do it is by putting your mind on God through the Word of God. If you want to be transformed, you do it by the Word of God. And I've said this over and over and over, but I keep saying it because it just needs to sink in that there is no other system that God has in place. Now, you can experience a touch of God. I've done this. I've ministered to many people, and I see that like in a crisis, if somebody dies, you can cry out to God, and because God loves you, He will touch you. You could have an epiphany, some people call it. You could have an encounter with the Lord. God could speak to you, and it can touch your life 
But I can guarantee you those emotional type of things, those experiences only last a very short period of time. You will never be able to sustain a relationship with God on an emotional level only. You have to renew your mind. If you want to be transformed long term, see your life change, you must be transformed by the Word. You must renew your mind. And some people say, well, that seems restrictive to me. To me, it's awesome. I love it because it's so simple. You just simply meditate in the Word day and night. We've already used that verse out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You just keep these things in your thoughts. You go over and over it. You keep your mind stayed on the Word of God, not as the stomach turns on television. And if you will do that, then without effort, just automatically, your life will begin to change. I know that some of you are really struggling to believe that this is true. But I'm telling you that until you've tried it, you shouldn't be knocking it. I've tried it. I have spent, I couldn't tell you, but hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours meditating in the Word of God. And there is nothing that inspires me and challenges me more than being in Word of God and having God speak to me. All of a sudden, I see an application between the principles that I see in this person's life or in these scriptures, and God makes a direct connection to my life, and this is what you need to do. That is the greatest thing in the world to me, is to see or to experience God speaking to me through the Word of God. I know that many of you may not feel that so much. Many of you may have read the Bible and it may not be boring. I mean, man, the subject matter in here, it beats any novel, any plot you could ever come up with. I think there's some wonderful things in the Bible. But many of you have read it just as a book and it's never totally just, you know, you couldn't say that this is the most exciting thing you've ever done. But I can truthfully say that the greatest joy The greatest excitement I think I have ever had in my life has been alone with God, studying the Word, and all of a sudden, I connect with God's heart. I know what God is saying to me through these scriptures. God is giving me direct revelation. I can truthfully say that's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I've seen people raised from the dead. My own son raised from the dead. And even though I appreciate that, and I'm not saying that wasn't exciting and that wasn't wonderful, it's the Word of God and my relationship with God through His Word that caused my son to be raised from the dead. That's a byproduct, not the cause. This is what has turned my life around. And I'm telling you that if you want to be transformed, metamorphosized like a little worm to a butterfly, the way you do it, is to take God's Word and meditate in it day and night, dwell upon it, and it just changes you. And it's exciting to me. I remember when the Lord showed this to me, I had just made a commitment to the Lord, and as I sought the Lord, it's a long story, but I felt like God told me to drop out of college. Now, when I dropped out of college, it was during the Vietnam War, and I immediately got drafted and sent to Vietnam. I immediately immediately lost my Social Security income from my father's death because I was a minor and I was still in school. So it cost me financially. It sent me to Vietnam, possibly could have killed me. But even beyond that, 
I had every person in my life tell me that this isn't God. This is of the devil. You've got to go to school. If you're going to be a preacher, you've got to get a cemetery, I mean a seminary education, and you've got to have degrees. And everybody was telling me what a dunce I was and how it couldn't happen unless I follow the prescribed way of doing things. And you know what? I ran across these scriptures and God just showed me that if I would take the Word of God and meditate in it, it would accomplish everything I needed in my life. And I can't communicate properly how much comfort that gave to me, how much that provided me with a direction for my life. And I poured myself into the Word of God. I poured the Word of God into me. And here I am 36, 37 years later, and I can truthfully say that it is the revelation of God's Word that has transformed my life, my personal life, my ministry, and I believe that the same thing will work for you. Let me uh, end this first teaching in this four-tape set on effortless change by going to Psalms chapter 19. And there's just so many scriptures about all of this. I'm having to just pick and choose. We've used a lot of scriptures, but there's many that I'm uh, leaving undone. The entire 119th Psalm is, I think there's 168 verses in it or something like that, maybe even more. And every single verse, every single verse in that 119th Psalm, the longest Psalm in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible, it's all about the importance of the Word. Every single phrase, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. That great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And on and on and on all of those scriptures go. But let me turn over to Psalms chapter 19 and just share a few passages with you here about the importance of the word of God and how it will change your life. Psalms chapter 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. And all of these different phrases that they use, the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. All of this is just referring to the Word of God. So in verse 7 it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You know, I looked this up in the Hebrew, that word that they use for converting here, and it means to restore to an original condition. And as I meditated upon that, I tell you, that is something that's just wonderful. I meet so many people who have had tragedy in their life, and because of that, their soul has been bruised. It's been damaged. They've got these pains in their life, and the average person just continues to carry that pain all the way through their life, and they don't seem to be able to break free. And most people have just embraced it as this is the way that it is. And one of the reasons I believe that they accept that is because that's the way the world looks at it, who doesn't have access to God's supernatural power. And in the natural, without God, it is true. You are a product of your environment. If you were sexually abused, that's going to scar you. If you were beat down and condemned and told you could do nothing, that's going to scar you and influence you the rest of your life. But with God, God can not only just allow you to cope, God can totally change you so that it's just like those things never even happen. And that's what this verse is saying. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting your soul, restoring back to an original condition. If you were damaged by something, you don't have to bear that for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You can get over it. The Word of God will convert your soul, put it back to an original condition.
And not only on an individual basis, but this is true of mankind as a whole. Since the fall of Adam, our existence, our whole surroundings are so negative and so different than what God originally intended man to be. You know, for instance, I've heard that the average child by the time they graduate from high school is seen in excess of a hundred and I think it's 160,000 brutal murders on television. Now, I'm not sure I got the statistic right, and I don't know how they come up with all of these figures, but whatever. The point is, by the time the average kid today graduates from high school, he's been exposed to murder, to sexual content, to ungodly things that the Lord never intended for mankind to be burdened with. How do you overcome something like that? The law of the Lord is perfect. It's not just good. It's not just better than anything else that's out there. It's perfect. And it will convert, restore your soul to an original condition. You know, if I had days, weeks, I could continue to talk about this and just drive this point home. Because again, I know so many people carrying around baggage, hurts and pains from years before, from previous marriages, from all kinds of things. And they just never seem to recover. It's because they don't take the Word of God and use it properly in their life. This is a promise that the law of the Lord is perfect. It will convert your soul, restore it to an original condition. It goes on to say, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And the word simple here is used in the sense of the word where it's talking about stupid, making wise the stupid, people that just don't think properly, that make mistakes. And I tell you, I couldn't tell you the number of people that I've talked to and you just, you hear their story and the things that they've done, how they go out and commit adultery and then wind up with the shame and the disgrace. They lose their job. They lose their church. They lose their friends. They come into physical problems. They have AIDS and on and on and on. All of the repercussions go from the stupid things that we do. Every once in a while, I just want to tell a person, how dumb can you get and still breathe? I mean, it's amazing what people do. And you wonder how, and I know that many of you think, well, I've done some of those same things. I just don't seem to be able to help it. Right here, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It will give wisdom to the simple. It'll make you wise, even if you've been stupid in the past. There is no reason to just adopt that, well, my mind's just not as bright as somebody else. The Word of God will quicken your thinking, quicken your understanding. Man, I could spend an hour on that one. In verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. How many people do you run across? Maybe some of you, and certainly I've dealt with thousands of people who are just depressed and defeated and they can't seem to find any reason to rejoice and they're struggling. And they give this as a reason, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. But you know what it all comes down to? The statutes of the Lord are right. They will rejoice your heart. If you aren't rejoicing... If you aren't full of joy and peace, if you've got ashes instead of the oil of joy for mourning and the garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61, if you aren't having that joy unspeakable and full of glory, it's not your circumstances. It's the fact that there's a vacuum on the inside. You don't know the truth of God's Word. The statutes of the Lord are right and they will rejoice your heart. If you're discouraged, take the Word of God. Take the promises of God. Start speaking them to yourself. And I guarantee you, you can get happy in a hurry. It goes on to say in verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
Man, how much benefit is it to be able to see clearly instead of having a negative perception that just sees, makes you see everything half the cup half, half empty? How much benefit, how much is it worth to be able to see the positive side of things and be able to see a way through everything? That's what the Word of God does. In verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Man, that's powerful. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. If we believe this, if the word of God was more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, if it was sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, if we sought for the word of God more than you seek for money, if you sought for the word of God more than you sought for the proper food, the sweetest food, your favorite food, If we were like Job where he says, I esteem the word of God more than my necessary food. Man, if we were to seek God's word like that, your life would be transformed. goes on to say in verse 11, Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Man, how much benefit could it be to your life if you could be warned before you get into a problem, before you get into an ungodly relationship, before you take the wrong job, before you take a wrong turn, before you buy the wrong car, before you do this thing that damages your health. How much would it be worth if you could see problems before they came so that you could take evasive action? That's exactly what the Word of God will do. And in keeping of them... There is great reward. There is just so much more that could be said. But hopefully you're getting the point. If we would just take God's Word and put it in our life and center our life around it, meditate on it day and night, God's Word would just cause change to come in your life effortlessly. It would be automatic. Therefore, if you aren't experiencing the abundance and the victory that God promised, it's not God who has failed. It's not us who hasn't petitioned hard enough. It's because we aren't taking that seed and planting it in our heart.